welcome no that's not right uh yo man boom it's rusty i have too many shows i need to remember how to start i might just start them all the same now but as long as i get that that boom in there that's what really matters so today is monday i don't know 17th i think somewhere in there doesn't really matter it's it's another day it's monday and monday is a cool day monday's fun day um yeah, if Monday, you don't like Monday mornings, you need to do something different with your life. Monday mornings should be awesome. It should be the first chance to really get going on whatever you're doing. So uh, today I have on a special guest, as I do, because all my guests are special, and this is no exception. So right here, right now, David Chudik, how you doing? I am doing great. And yeah, I'm I'm enjoying Monday morning as well. So uh, weekends are always awesome. But um, I think you're right. If, if you really dread Monday mornings, you need to take a look in the mirror and, and, and do something different with your life. I mean, work is work. And, you know, it's not perfect all the time. But but, you know, hopefully we could all be in a place where most of our Mondays were excited to get back at it. Yeah, it's it's hard, especially when you're at a place when everybody is you know, dreading Monday. And then they talk about, you know, that whole, that whole deal. And it just kind of, you know, puts it, puts everything down and um, you should be doing something that you're at least kind of, kind of cool with. And, um, you know, if it's, if it's a job that's, you know, minimum wage, I've worked plenty of minimum wage jobs in my past. And you know what, if there's, if you don't like it, there's a zillion other ones that are going to be exactly the same. So you can find something at least that's not going to just be dreading. There's something out there for everyone. Um, and so, okay, so I'm looking at your background here. And so you have a pretty is a good setup for sound um sound deadening and uh and stuff of that nature because you have a podcast correct i i do i do so i've i think i'm on episode 120 or 121 of the weekly wealth podcast um and on the weekly wealth podcast kind of my tagline is we talk about the mindsets the tactics and the strategies that can help you to build and maintain wealth um, I think, you know, I think a lot of where we are money wise, just all of us is kind of due to what we've done. I mean, yes, there are circumstances and, but, um, you know, a lot of money is a mindset. It's not necessarily, Hey, should I buy Apple or Amazon or which stock should I buy? It's more of kind of how you live your life really affects where you are, where we are financially. Are you talking more about, uh, frivolous spending or, um, wanting like certain things that don't really matter? Or, you know, getting yourself to, you know, investing in the right thing or, you know, putting your money towards something that's going to grow as opposed to, you know, getting a, a big chunk of money and going out and buying a car that immediately, as soon as you drive it off the lot, you're losing money. The answer is yes. We're, ta we're, we're talking about all of that. Um our habits kind of dictate where we go. And, and oftentimes if we're, if we're very purposeful, we can kind of maybe figure out why we have some certain habits. So let me give you an example. Some people are stress spenders. So they get stressed out and their coping mechanism is they just go spend there. And even if it's something like, Hey, I'm going to go spend $6 on a coffee at Starbucks. Hey, I mean, $6 is $6. It doesn't end the world. But if you do that twice a day, every day, um, you know, over the course of a month, that's a 
buttload of money and 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 that's money that maybe you're not investing and that's not going to grow so um i think our habits are extremely extremely important in all areas of our life in our relationship and our health and our financial health even in our spirituality so one of the first things i really like doing with new clients is let, let's just talk about your habits let's talk about what you want to happen in your life but let's talk about your habits are you you know, I've seen people making two and three and four hundred thousand dollars a year, and and they literally don't have any savings because every dollar that's coming in, they're spending. And then I've seen people making you know much, much, much less money, and they manage to put a few dollars away every paycheck, every pay period, and that starts to grow. So, uh, so yeah, so we have to look at frivolous spending, but we also we don't want to be in a point where it's like, hey, I can never go out to eat, or uh, you know, I can never have a Starbucks coffee, or whatever that kind of splurging item is in your life, we want to get to the point where you can afford that splurging item because you're doing everything else that's more important first. Yeah, because um, I mean, there's the whole argument of the um, a lot of, I think the younger generation with the, you know, uh, the cup of coffee a day or two cups of coffee a day is, you know, you can go and tie that back. But then it's something that, you know, where the dollar used to be and what the dollar was as far as you know people being able to buy a house at a younger age whereas a lot of people who are younger now aren't able to buy a house and it's um but then at the same time 30 days 12 dollars of coffee that's 360 bucks a month that's that that's a pretty good chunk of change and I mean, if you invest that in whatever you invested in, um, that can that can add up pretty quick. Even if you're putting it away in savings, which is sure. it's okay, even half of it, even going down to one cup, 180 bucks a month to invest in or sock away I mean, is uh, over decades that turns into hundreds of thousands of dollars. And then the other thing is, um, you know. A lot of times people aren't getting coffee from Starbucks. They're getting glorified milkshakes as well. So a lot of sugar, maybe not that much nutritionally in there. So really, and it's, and it's, you know, our habits, again, they multiply. So not only are you going to maybe get poor, you're also going to pork on a few pounds because you're drinking 40, 50, 60 grams of sugar. So, so I really like to talk, you know, both on my podcast and to clients, it's about my I just think that is, um, it's so, so, so important. Yeah. Cause I mean, we're basically becoming hummingbirds mm -hmm. with, uh, you know, the amount of sugar water that we, uh, like to, yep. Yep. like to consume. And then, yep. Yeah. yeah and no I mean, so there. much that's just impulse. It is. It's impulse. It's impulse. And, so, and like I said, a lot of times it's a coping mechanism. Um, you know, I'm a stress eater. Like when I get bored and when I get stressed, let's say, you know, I know I need to make a phone call to a client that I'm thinking might not turn out well. I'm going to go just grab a handful of something, just a handful of chips or whatever, just, and that's my coping mechanism. And I need to recognize that. And it's, it doesn't help anything. It helps you to pork on some weight. And it also just helps you delay taking that action that, that, you know, you just, um, you just need to do. Um, but you mentioned something interesting that I always like to talk about, about like, it's harder for this generation, you know, younger people to, to buy homes right now. And um, there's always obstacles. Every generation has obstacles. And 
And, and, and we certainly don't want to minimize obstacles because obstacles are real, right? I mean, yes, homes adjusted for inflation cost a lot more than they used to. That's, that's a fact. We can't deny it. But what we can do is we can say, look, you know, hey, this is kind of a situation kind of sucks, but is there anybody my age that has bought a home? The answer is probably yes. So if somebody else has done it, that means you can probably figure out a way to do it too. Life is hard. I mean, there's no, you know, life is definitely hard. It's tough. Um, there are obstacles, but our jobs, you know, if, if you want to be a winner, if we, if we want to be kind of, uh, you know, champions, we got to figure out ways to get around those obstacles, whether they're legit or not. And, and, and I forget which author it was, but he said, you know, if anybody else has done what you're trying to do, then it can be done. So just figure out a way to get it done. Yeah. I mean, um, and also there's many different ways to buy in a house or buy in property. Um, and I mean, you can do it. You can do the old, you know, buy a, buy a duplex instead, rent out half. You can do that. Um, and you can buy a house and just pay on it for a while. And, you know, it's, it's doable. It's definitely doable, but I mean, there's, um, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it seems that can be a lot of people can just say, Oh, can't do it. Um, uh, I mean, what, where, where do you go with that? What do you say with someone's just, I mean, is, is there any hope or is it just, I mean, they're just going to, play victim on it i don't know that's a great way to say it yeah, but... no no and 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 i think all human beings you know we we like to be a victim um so you know there are parts of my life where you know and i hate the victim the victim role but um there's probably some parts of my life where i play the victim um but i think we have to fight against that and like i said every generation every every group everybody has some sort of you know disadvantage or obstacle and so I, and I don't think it's 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 dishonest to acknowledge obstacles and say, hey, this is real. You know, homes, um, you know, homes adjusted for inflation. Let's just make up a number that cost double what they used to cost. Okay, great. I mean, that's that stinks. Um, if it's a fact, it's a fact. But um, do you want to own a home? And if so, you, you just got to figure it out. And I'm not saying that giving up coffee every day solves all the problems. But like you said, $360 a month, if you add that on to, you know, what you're currently able to afford for a mortgage payment, you add another three or $400 on there, all of a sudden now maybe a house becomes more affordable. So it's kind of like if I gave you $10 um, or $12, you could have two cups of coffee, or you can have that $12 in a, you know, in an investment account that's going to grow. And if I did that, and you can't have both. So it's like, which one do you want more? And that's hard because I don't like making those decisions either. You know, I mean, it's uh, just how are we going to use our resources? Yeah. And I mean, um, like take uh, when a lot of people were getting payments for during, you know, uh, I guess I'm going to put this on YouTube. So the C word a few years ago and the shutdown. <laughs> um I mean, just watching how people spent the money. And I mean, so during that time, I mean, I got into, uh, I was selling, I was reselling a bunch of stuff and just the amount of frivolous shit people were spending their money on. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was like my things that were selling the most were 
you know, TV, VCR combos, uh, rock band stuff, um, yeah. you know, just stupid, stupid stuff that is not gonna, not gonna net anyone else, anything else. They're, they're just buying it. Like I could not hold on to this stuff. I mean, a lot, there was a lot of stuff. It was just flying through, which I mean, was great for me. I like the money I was put it into it i was getting a, a nice return on but i mean there was just so many people just blowing through that money and then have nothing to show for it yeah. afterwards and um yeah no the, and then and, and and that's the thing you know depending on what part of the country you're in you know if, if i don't even remember how much some of those checks were and there were a couple rounds of them but you know several thousand dollars or more if you had kids that you know what that could have been a, a you know a two or three percent down payment on a house and kind of get you started or it could have been you know in tvs buy some crap that's and it's not even necessarily crap it's um it's it's just is a need or a want and there are times in our lives where we're all there are times in my life where that my financial reality allows me to have more wants uh than other times uh, other times in life, you know, you really kind of needs are the only thing that that you can that you that, that that's realistic. So you have to look and say, hey, where am I right now? Uh, you know, you look a year. Yeah, they can go out to Starbucks. Yeah, they can go to the nicest restaurant and spend five hundred dollars on on a dinner. Uh, you know, maybe you or I could do that once every three years because it's just whatever our financial reality is. But um, we have to be purposeful. You know, impulse spending. Uh, you know, over time just does not get us anywhere. So there's nothing wrong with nice stuff and there's nothing wrong with having nice stuff. Um, number one, as long as it fits into whatever your financial reality is and yours is different than mine and mine than the person next to me. Um, but nothing wrong with having nice stuff, but um, it is wrong when nice stuff has you and, and you can't kind of make independent decisions. The old fight club, you know, thing in the end, the things you own end up owning you, uh, mm -hmm. that whole yep. deal. Yep. And, um, I mean, it's, it's hard, um, with how easy it can be. Oh, just, you know, money. Like, I don't know. Cause I, I've heard a lot of you people say, you know, there's all this problem with money, but then, you know, you offer that person a chance to have, you know, $5 million they're going to take that money. They're going to take that money. You know, money should, it's, it's very much if you, I don't know, if you want to get there, it's, there's not, nothing really stopping you from going out and getting money or being able to find a way to make money. Or, you know, if you, and if you do have money going to a, you know, going to a financial planner and being able to make your money well spent and not just like I have money. Oh, I had money and I have mm -hmm. nothing to show for it now. It's just sure. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, it's really not the money that's important. It's what the money can do for you. So let me give you an example. Let's say that that you have a job and uh, you have to be to work at 9 a.m. and uh, you go out to your car and you have four flat tires. Well, that's a minor inconvenience if paying for four new tires is, is easy for you. 
you know, you call your boss, hey, you know, I'm sorry, I'm going to be a couple hours late. I need to go get new tires. Here's some pictures of the tires so you know that I'm not lying and it stinks and it's going to cost whatever, five, six, seven, eight, nine hundred dollars, but I have that money saved up. So I have an inconvenient day. Um, if you don't have that money, then all of a sudden you're potentially getting fired or or you can't get to work. You're not getting a day's wage. You're, you're, you're stressing. Maybe you're having to borrow high interest money. So what did that money do? It really just eliminated stress for you and it helped you to, it gave you options. So, you know, it's not like, hey, I want a million dollars or $10 million because if I have that, I'll be cooler than you or I'll have ni nicer stuff than you and, and I could feed my pride. What it is, is I'll have more options to do the things that are important important to have the experiences that are important. And also, I mean, to help people and, and do all the other things that money can do, because at its core, all money really does is give you options and lack of money simply takes away options. Yeah. And so, I mean, with, uh, with money though, I mean, with the dollar right now and where it's headed, um, I mean, are you, are you, you know, having people, you know, invest in certain things? Are you, you know, having them steer towards some sort of digital currency or, you know, stocks that are sort of recession proof or kind of whatever? I mean, I'm sure it's different for each person. Yeah. Um, and, and that was going to be kind of my answer. It, it really, a lot of it depends on, you know, your age, your risk tolerance, um, uh, where you are in life, your income, your debt levels, things like that. So a good financial planner uh, doesn't really have one size fits all answers because again, you and I are different people. So a lot of times I'll be out and, and you meet somebody new and, and they say, hey, what do you do for a living? Well, I'm a financial advisor. And then, you know, the next question is always, oh, really, where's the market going? You know, if I had a, if I gave you a hundred thousand to invest right now, where would you invest it for me? And the answer is I have no freaking clue. You might have $100,000 of credit card debt that I would recommend that you pay off. Um, you might just know deep down in your heart that 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 you just, you know, you're supposed to give $50,000 to some organization or a church or somebody. Um, or you might be someone who, if you invested $100,000, if, if, if you looked at your statement tomorrow and it was down to 99800 you would just freak out because you have very little risk tolerance. Or you might be someone who's like, you know what, I don't care if it cuts in half. I want something that can have a good chance of doubling or tripling. So I'm a gambler. So all of those things would would come into play. Your tax bracket would come into play on kind of where to put money and, and what to do with it. So kind of a loaded question, but the answer is it has to be the right place for you at this time in your life, um, you know, in, in your current position. Yeah, and I mean, so... I mean, like playing the stock market or, you know, or stuff of that nature is really, I mean, it's a very much more socially accepted um, way of gambling as opposed to, you know, like a scratch it same way as drinking wine and stuff as opposed to buying malt liquor at the store and you know both are kind of the same thing but um i i believe that there's more uh what's the like um it's more controlled and more 
researched as opposed to just going and buying a scratch off. Sure. Uh, sure. As, you know. So let's let's look at, you know, at its core, gambling is is really strictly or almost strictly a game of chance. So, you know, you you go, go you go buy a lottery ticket, you know, in theory they're randomized and whatever percentage of them are winners are winners and you might uh, buy the last one that's a loser and then I'm next in line, I buy one that wins me a million dollars. Um, or you pick the numbers and, and, you know, in theory, the numbers that pop out of the machine are randomized. So there's, you know, there's really no skill involved and, and you don't own anything. So um, when you're buying a stock, what you're buying is a little tiny piece of a company. So you actually have ownership. So if you bought one share of Apple, well, guess what? You own one like 20 millionth, but you own a little piece of Apple. You're a company owner. Um, and companies like Apple, like any other company, their jobs, if they're publicly traded, their main purpose is to, is to, is to act in a way that will increase the price of the shares. And oftentimes that involves, you know, selling more stuff, whatever stuff that they sell, having more profit margins and, and so on and so on, so forth. So one of the differences is that you actually have, in theory, smart people running companies whose job is to, is to do the right things to, to help stock prices go up. So, so, I mean, there is some, you know, luck factor, randomized factor, but when you're talking about stock market investing, you are actually owning a, a piece of a company. Whereas if I go to a casino or if I buy a lottery ticket, you know, if I lose, I have nothing. Um, with the with the stock market, I still have that share. So even if I paid a hundred dollars for a share of a of a stock and if it goes to 50, I still have that $50 share that I could sell to you. Yeah. And then I mean so and then also, you know, how much of you know kind of what to buy is I mean, because one thing I've been seeing a lot of people do is, since it's all kind of public record, is going and seeing what um, a lot of politicians or um, politicians, significant others are buying and kind of going off of those. Is is that something that you're seeing um, in places or yeah, is that yeah, a but, sound but now theory? It, in, in theory, and, and, I, and I stress the theory, um, Nobody, if you're a politician or a public figure or a CEO, should legally be able to act upon information that's not public knowledge. So it, let's say you're the CEO of, of a huge company, and if you know that your company is, is, is about to go bankrupt, if you sell your shares today knowing that when the general public didn't know that, you pretty much go to jail or at least right. – you know, you'd be in big trouble. So in theory, what politicians are acting on is public knowledge. In practice, you know, is it really? Who knows? Probably not. They probably do know some stuff that 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 we don't know. So I don't think um I don't think that's a that's a, a, a bad idea to start with. But but one of the things that we all need to do is we have to have several different buckets of money. So if you think about this, you have monthly expenses that are due. You have to pay your electric bill, you know, rent or mortgage, all those kind of things. And that money, you really can't afford for it to go up and down with market fluctuations. So that money kind of just has to be in a checking or savings account that, um, you know, that is going to be very, very steady. Um, ideally, we all should have three to six months or more of living expenses just kind of sitting somewhere to where if COVID comes, you lose a job or some emergency happens, you can support yourself at a minimal level for 
two, three, four, five, six months or longer. So that's like an emergency fund that should be like in a cash or a cash equivalent. Now, the cool thing right now with the Fed raising rates, you can get four and a half, four point seven five money market accounts, things like that. So cash is actually paying a reasonable rate of return for the first time in literally decades. So I have a lot of clients who've just, you know, they had they just accumulated, you know, twenty, thirty, fifty, hundred thousand dollars in their checking accounts. Um, now we're putting that in money markets and they're getting four and five almost five percent on that. And you know, that's that's free money that you're making, and there's almost no theoretic risk on that. And then we all should have other buckets of money that are taxed differently and are for a longer term period. So, um, you know, if you're 20 years old, you should have some so sort of an IRA. You should have some, you know, whether that's your 401k or your company sponsored plan. And that money can go up and down in value. And it doesn't really matter because you can't even touch that money for the next 30 years. So if it goes down in value, shoot, dump more in there and, and, and you're, just, uh, you're just buying shares while they're lower. But maybe you have, uh, I don't know, Young, a, a baby and you want to save money for that uh, child's college. Well, that's a, you know, 15, 18 year time horizon. So that would have to be a little bit, a uh, little bit more uh, conservatively invested. And so, you know, a lot of things that, that that's one of the ways that we mitigate risk is that we don't have all of our eggs in one basket and we have different buckets of money for different purposes. So those are just a few examples of of, of different buckets of money. And even other buckets might be like actual hard assets. Like you might buy commercial real estate. Let's say you buy a duplex and you rent both out. Well, that's that's an asset, right? I mean, it's not a liquid asset because you just can't press a button on your account and liquidate it. But, um, you know, you maybe you bought a $500,000 duplex a few years ago and now it's worth 650000 and it's cash flowing $1,500 a month or whatever that amount is. That's an asset and that's one of your buckets. So lots of different ways to do this. Yeah. And so uh, then like, what about digital coins and stuff as far as that, is that kind of a, you know, it's more of a high risk. But, yeah. Yeah. Kind of you know. where our, our firm really feels like the only monies that that anybody should be investing in digital currency is is what they're 100% okay with losing. Um, and also, you know, your $10 could turn into 10 million, but, um, you know, and, and I guess in theory that has happened at times, but um, uh, digital currency, I'm sure at a point in time will be you know, the most legit form of currency. But for right now, it's almost, um, well, let's go back to that stock example. If you buy a share of Apple, you own a little piece of Apple. And and I might want to buy that from you because Apple is a company. And if I feel like Apple is doing well, um, maybe you paid $10 for that share. I might offer you um, $12 and then you just made $2. And I'm having, a, I'm buying from you a little piece of a company. You know, really with 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 crypto and digital, um, the, there's no underlying asset. So you're not, it's not backed by ownership of a company. So if that coin, um, is, if I'm willing to give you $10 for the coin, then it's worth $10. If I'm not willing to give you $10 for the coin, then it's not worth $10. And, and if kind of the auction aspect of it says, you know, uh, or an exchange says that that coin should be worth $20, um, you know, and if somebody gives you twenty four, then it's then that's what it's worth. But um, there's really no hard asset backing it, and that's what a lot of the the higher end analysts kind of some of their fears with with crypto is is that there's no hard hard asset backing it, as opposed to if you're buying a stock, you're owning a portion of a company, or if you're buying a bond, it's kind of a debt agreement. So, 
Um, so kind of, well, so one of the things I was going to ask about, so there's a, a fairly good possibility of a, the central banking digital coin coming through is, and uh, I've also seen some stuff with that, uh, the planning of banks on a Friday deciding to kind of shut down and with it being on a Friday, the theory that it's kind of chaos until Monday, but then it's not going to be people going for it right then. And um, I don't know. I, I don't know when that's going to happen. I have a feeling it will. Sure. But I'm yeah. not, I'm not a, I, I don't know, because I assume that digital coin. And then also with the guy, I forgot, I want to say his name was, is not, I don't know. But he was the guy that owned or that has the intellectual property of, um, what was it? Was it Square and Cash App? Um, That's the guy that got, just got stabbed, right? Just got stabbed. Yeah. And he, yeah, he had the intellectual property for that. And I believe that, I don't know, this is my my theory on this one, that um, that that intellectual property is now in possession of not him and will be kind of the way that money might be you know uh regulated um and so is there you know is there a kind of a push to stay away from that for now until something or you know with the dollar or would it be more to go into investing into other things or kind of watching where the dollar is going or what where do you think yeah is that i mean different again different? kind of looking at those buckets of money i mean to have to have a crypto digital currency bucket right now i think is fine i think we all just kind of have to um have to know kind of how much each one of us should have in each bucket of money and, and one thing on the on the digital currency and the crypto that you know, a lot of people, and I'm one of them, kind of, I, I want the government out of my life as much as possible. And digital currency, in theory, is not trackable, which is um, which is one of the main features. But let's say I'm using digital currency to buy sex slaves. Well, then all of a sudden, you kind of want it to be at least a little bit trackable. Um, or let's say I'm using it to buy you know, um, uranium from some really, really bad country so I can make a dirty bomb and blow up New York City. Yeah. You know, a little bit of trackability bad thing. So, so um, you know, one of the big selling points of digital currencies is not trackable, which I love. And 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 for 99.999% of people who are just doing their thing, you know, I don't need to know where you're spending your money. You don't need to know where I'm spending my money unless, of course, you know, you're doing something really, really bad. Then, of course, we would like... Um, you know, for paper trails to be able to stop major terrorist events or or sex trafficking or, or anything else like that. So, so you know, the world is changing, and yes, digital currency is is going to be the norm. You know, whether it's next year or ten years from now or five years from now, um, you know, it it definitely is. So it's it's definitely for something for all of us to uh, to learn a lot about. But I don't think it's 
you know, we're still all going to need to own hard assets, um, whether that be, you know, stocks, bonds, real estate, things like that. So, uh, but yeah, the world is definitely changing for sure. Yeah. And then with, with that, then I, I see that kind of going into, you know, uh, tying it in with the, the digital ID and, you know, being able to, you know, work with the social credit score to, you know, kind of see where you're spending your money. Whereas, you know, with other stuff, I mean, you know, there's uh, like one of the things that's kind of an interesting one is, you know, art trading and art value of art is another one where it's doesn't really I don't know. I don't. I don't believe a lot of those things really cost as much as they do, and it's kind of a an interesting way to transfer wealth around. And... It is. It is. But see, fair market value is just what one party that is not under duress would be willing to pay another party that's not under duress. So, I don't think personally there's any painting in the world that's worth ten million dollars. However, right. lots of paintings sell for ten million dollars. So I'm wrong. It's not worth it to me, but it's worth it to somebody. Um, so, you know, but but then, of course, like any other market, the art market can be inflated or deflated. And depending on, um, uh, you know, a whole host of other factors. Yeah, the price of the price of fine art can go up or go down. So, you know, there's a risk. There's there's some risk to everything for sure. But but art certainly is very, very subjective or as stock prices are. You know, there are certain formulas that, you know, debt to earnings ratio, things like that, that would kind of give a relatively standardized way of figuring out what figure way to figure out what a stock should be priced at, you know, or a range of what it should be priced at. Okay. And then so you were saying also earlier that uh, if you have, you know, you said $50,000, things what you said of, of credit card debt, that should be paid first. You think in full before someone goes and, um, starts investing or partially, um, cause I mean, with that, that's going to probably be a pretty high mm -hmm. interest rate on that. That's just going to keep eating at you. Would right. you suggest going for all that first and paying that off and getting the, the three to six months of emergency funds first before you start investing? Or would you say maybe do like 90% of that and invest a little bit? Well, I, I would like to have some cash because cash helps you to sleep at night. And and as we've seen from uh, 2020, even though the those checks came, you know, some people were out of work and, and and the checks didn't come soon enough and they were really, really struggling. Other people had some money in the bank and it was like, you know what? I mean, this stinks that I'm not working or it stinks that my business got shut down, but, you know, I can still buy what I need to keep my family going. So, so having some amount of cash, even if it's, you know, a month's worth of, um, a month's worth of bare minimum uh, expenses would be great. And then, uh, the other thing is you have to look at like what types of investments or how you're investing. So if you work for a big company and if they're matching your 401k contribution, so most companies that offer 401ks, they'll offer up to a 3% match. So, so if your paycheck was a hundred dollars, if you, if you invest $3 into the 401k, um, they match $3, you now have $6 in that 401k plan. So you've just doubled your money. So, you know, in a in a, in a, in in your in your scenario where you're asking, should I pay off all of my debts before I start investing? I mean, if I had a 401k with a match, I would still 
probably want to at least contribute up to the match because that that's a big big rate of return and then i would kind of look and see do i want to you know with this hypothetical lump sum should i pay off the rest of my debts and the answer probably is going to be yes um in most cases you know you got to look at the interest rates you know if you have a really really low interest rate maybe that one doesn't need to be paid off right away but but getting rid of as much debt as as possible is is almost always a really really good idea especially if it's personal debt business debt you know you have some tax deductibility of 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 interest and you know if you've used the money or if you're using that money to to invest in the business and grow you know in theory the business can produce more and, and pay it back very easily and okay and then so who or is there uh you know is it anyone that should be coming to you or are there certain people that you may turn away because you don't feel it's a good idea or is anyone can anyone theoretically be a good fit well the first thing is i like to like my clients so um, you know, if, if, if you're that person and I see your name call up on caller ID and I was like, oh crap, he's calling me again. I hate that guy. He's so annoying. He's always complaining, you know, then, you know, I'm kind of at a point where I, I really want to like my clients. Um, uh, not that anybody's perfect, but you know, the, the, right. we don't necessarily need to have people that we're, we're dreading talking to there are, you know, there are people that sometimes it's just not a good fit. And sometimes some people just are not, they can't be pleased. They can't be satisfied, even if you're yeah. really, really good. Um, number two is I really, really like working with business owners because business owners have a lot going on financially. Um, sometimes they have a lot of cash flow on the positive side. Sometimes they have negative cash flow, which creates financial planning issues. But they also have to do all the things like they have to create the 401k for themselves or, or some sort of retirement plan. They have to um, create their insurances. They have to have the right insurances. They have to... Uh, create employee benefit plans. So business owners have a lot going on that they need help uh, planning with. And interestingly, I also work with business owners to help them to grow their biggest asset, which is their business. So we kind of have a process to help businesses to make their, their business more sellable and potentially selling for a higher amount of money. Um, and then, you know, kind of on the individual side, again, it's some, I like to work with people that I like. Um, and um, so I'm always happy to, um, to, to have a 30 minute conversation over zoom or in person, if somebody's local, just kind of talk about their situation and, and see if, you know, see if we are a good fit. A lot of financial advisors have like hard minimums. Like I don't work with you unless you have a million dollars or $500,000. I've chosen not to do that because I think that working with the financial advisor can can literally change your life because I do believe that how we handle our money should positively impact our lives and the lives of those around us but obviously you know if 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 you're someone who has you know $80,000 in credit card debt and you can only afford to invest $20 a month you know I mean I'm we're also a business also. So that, you know, that may be someone that, that we, we might say, Hey, look, here's, here's kind of a general way. Of, uh, let's come up with a schedule to get your debt paid off. And then once you get that debt paid off, let's, let's revisit and see if we start a, you know, an investing plan and become a client at that point. Yeah. And so then, um, so I guess the, the last thing, so, uh, it's the, is it like a, uh, I don't know. Is your pricing like kind of like a flat fee or is it dependent on what 
what is made or a lost or is it kind of a combination of both it's it's kind of a combination of both so we we provide asset management which means um if you had money we our firm um if if we're managing your money we 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 buy and sell on your behalf and based on what you want to happen in your risk tolerance and all that good stuff so we'll normally charge you know something like uh you know a percent or something like that on your money to manage it obviously as your account grows we're making more money and and um but now if your account goes down you know we're still charging a percent we're just charging a percent of a, of a lower lower amount um and so we have a very good process and, and and we we have a very kind of calculated process um and then we also uh we provide financial planning services so in addition to helping a client just to have their money invested in a way that makes sense for them there are so many other financial decisions that need to be made so what types of life insurance might you need um how, are there some ways that you can minimize taxes for yourself um, uh, what are some ways that you should be planning for your estate? Uh, you know, if you were to pass away to where your, your assets pass in the, in the method that you want. So if, if you're a little bit more complicated, you have some of those issues, then, um, we're providing financial planning services. And that would normally, uh, that would normally, uh, incur a fee that could be anywhere from several hundred dollars to several thousand dollars, depending on how complicated uh, you are. If you have, you know, multiple companies and and numerous trusts and and estate tax issues, that becomes a pretty complicated financial planning case, and 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 the cost on that would be higher than if you're someone who needs to kind of get a budget set up, uh, need some help planning for for life insurance and estate planning. Obviously, that's that's less complicated. And, okay, I guess I had one more. Do you work with um, nonprofits or 501c3s at all, or is that too much of a complicated? No, place? actually, yeah, I actually handle the retirement plans for uh, for two local nonprofits. Um, and then the other thing that I have a little bit of of additional expertise through some certifications is is I have some charitable giving additional expertise. So there are ways for individuals and businesses to give money to 501c3s. Uh, effectively, as opposed to just writing a check. And so I can definitely help uh, clients to be able to give money or give give securities to to 501c3s in the most effective manner for them. Cool. Okay, perfect. Um, okay, yeah, thank you so much for, uh, yeah, getting to let everyone know about, you know, I, I hope people, you know, get to have a better idea of what what you can do with your money and um what you know what 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 you can help with and what they can do and yeah i mean so yeah thank you very much for that and be getting able to um you know teach us a thing or two around here and then yeah and then so then you also have your podcast which is the the weekly wealth podcast and that's what day does that drop Normally that drops on Tuesdays, um, but um, okay. you know they're they're all out there. We talk we talk about a broad range of um, financial topics that um, anything from real basic kind of budgeting stuff to higher end, uh, high net worth tax planning and and everything um, everything in between. But really, what I try to do is if you think about think about all the money problems you've ever had, and we've all had money problems. Now think about which of them you either caused or you didn't prevent. And then think about the ones that were just not your fault because sometimes crap happens. 
Now, if we can go back in time and take away all the problems that, that you or I either caused or didn't prevent, our lives get a lot freaking better when we're not causing our own problems, don't they? So, um, yeah. you know, and that, that's kind of what, what my goal is to do. Uh, personal accountability. Yep. And learning from personal accountability. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it very much. Um, and then, yeah, you have your website, weeklywealthpodcast.com. And yeah, so um, find him, find him, get a hold of him. And, you know, tell him all Rusty sent you. Uh, so yeah, David, hey, thanks so much for being a guest. And thank you, everybody, for listening out there. Uh, like, share, subscribe, do all that stuff. Whatever you kids do now, I don't know. Uh, you know, up on your internet. So yeah, do that internet stuff. And uh, thanks for listening. Have a, have a good day. And that's the show, man.